0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Episode 79 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Thank you once again for joining me. Uh, I actually just got back to the house today, flew in from Montana, uh, finished out the Missoula Marathon again, second time going up there. Beautiful race, uh, beautiful part of the country. If you haven't been up into Montana, Wyoming, that part of the country, you're surely missing out. But without any further delay, I got a very special guest with me today, probably one of the most funny Twitter personalities, you, you you could find out there uh, he calls himself goose on twitter and he calls himself goose in real life so without any any further you know delay I'd like to welcome to the show finally mr. Goose how are we doing sir good well thank you I didn't know it was that funny but I try
1: <laughs> well that's try.
0: I think that's the point the thing is it I it seems like you're not trying that's where that's what makes you the the well, personality that, yeah. you are yeah you, yeah, you well, don't you don't hold back. You let it rip on Twitter. Something that's very, something that's very rare. Some people are apprehensive, and uh, and it's it's commendable and respectable.
1: Uh, I'll do the same thing to your face if you get mine. So you know, I'm generally a nice guy,
0: but don't don't fuck with me, you know. So yeah, absolutely. so what do you, what do you got going on back there? You're doing some cooking. So I got we got a 10 pound prime brisket on.
1: Uh, I'm cooking now for tomorrow uh, for the girlfriend's birthday. We're going to do some steaks later along with it for tonight. Um, that's basically what I'm doing here, sitting out here in 100-degree heat next to a 300-degree fire as we're smoking a brisket with some uh, post oak and Texas way, you know, low and slow, and trying to do it the best we can.
0: Oh, hell yeah, man. No, I, I love the sound of that. Uh, unlike what some other naysayers might say, the best barbecue is made in Texas, and that's even by... Right. The people who live here—they're making it better than you can anywhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, the heat down here—it's—it's it's hot. I'm not gonna lie. The weather in Missoula is like gold, Goldilocks conditions up there. Oh, yeah, Especially I, I miss, for running.
1: I miss—I miss I, miss. I used to live up in up that way, and it was—it was great, you know. But here we're back here again, so you know, whatever.
0: Hey, well, yeah. What, what can you? Yeah, you got to take take it with a grain of salt. I'm not—I'm not too unhappy about the winters. I can't—I can't complain about them too much. Not, but um, not generally, no. Yeah, but uh, so you you mentioned you you used to live up that way. Let's let's get right into it, man. So what's what's your story? How how'd you get into trucking? Did you do anything before that? Where uh, yeah, where do you come from?
1: So uh, basically, I guess I'll just start like high school, right? All I ever wanted to do was fly F-15 Strike right? Eagles, right? That's all I ever wanted to do, and just life didn't work that way. So I ended up going to college um, for aviation degree. And, you know, worked through most of my pilot's license that first year, and just a lot happened that, that year. My parents sold the house I grew up in and moved to Florida and just, you know, whatever. We had a lot going on, and I decided to help them out. So I went home, got a job doing security. That, did, that, that sucked. It didn't work out very well. And uh, then I got a job with my uncle doing construction, and I started – I started as a lonely, lonely laborer on the bottom of the pile, you know. My uncle was like, if you can get along with this guy, you can get along with anybody. And about three days into it, he was laughing, and we were having a good time, you know. And I learned a lot in those couple weeks, and then moved into Mason Tendering. And he'd already known he was going to have me pumping concrete. So that's what I ended up doing a few months after starting to work with him. And I'm driving, and now I'm driving an F550 2001 7.3 liter, A ZF six-speed, four-wheel drive, 538 gears, massive truck, 201-inch wheelbase, the service body on it, and I'm pumping concrete with it. I'm pulling this little 15-foot pump. Uh, First time I'd ever really backed up a trailer, you know, big, you know, outside of garden tractor and stuff. And I pulled one trailer one time, and this is the first time I'm doing it. I had to put this this concrete pump inside a Connex, you know, a shipping container. And there's 50 people watching me. I've never driven this truck before this morning. I'm trying to back this little pedal hitch, single axle in here. I got it. But, you know, that's where I learned to back up. And that's where I learned, you know, the basic skills for driving. And I started doing, um, pulling the equipment trailers around, hauling materials and stuff. And I didn't have a CDL. I did that for eight or nine months before I got my license, My, my actual CDL. And I mean, yeah, it was a little questionable, but whatever, we didn't get caught. So, uh, my uncle helped me get my CDL and then from there, you know, I was, we had a custom built gooseneck for that truck because of the service body. And then, uh, you know, I moved, ended up leaving that job after I bought my pickup and, uh, I ended up working for a company out of Tampa, t- went to New Orleans, I was working on the, uh, Uh, What do you call that, the VA hospital after when they were rebuilding it? That was a cluster of a job, and I ended up putting concrete and going to do demo. And while I was doing demo, you know, I uh, drive the end dump every now and then, got to move, you know, equipment once in a while. Um, And at this point, I didn't have my Class A with air brakes. I just had a Class A. So I'm, I'm doing this stuff illegally, but who cares, you know? I didn't get caught, and... I upgraded my license to air brakes finally a few months after that. And um, I was driving a roll off after that for a bit, too, for a friend of mine and doing high size out of DFW. And we'd roll into the uh, plant, the uh, the steel mill at like 150. You know, we didn't care, you know, whatever. And uh, so I got my air brakes and then, uh, what do I do after that? Oh, I got a job in the oil field down here. And, uh, you know, whatever, it was a job, it paid pretty well, you know, how the oil field is, and uh, from there, you know, I ended up, we got laid off, and I got the job, I had at JR Simplot, which is an awesome company to work for, they're an awesome company overall, and they're massive, absolutely massive, I think they have uh, commercial vehicles, they have um, 10 or 12,000 trucks, class eight class six you know different types because they have potatoes they have fertilizer they do cattle they have all kinds of trucks right um when i was there we actually bought some of the first 880s and they bought uh, two thousand at one time to be delivered over several years and we got some of the first bunch terrible trucks hated them um weren't built correctly you know but welcome to newer pack cars you know um I learned a lot doing that. Pull, put many miles behind a tank or in front of a tank. Um, just farm roads, you know, back back roading it, through fields. I mean, there'd be places out here you'd have to back out of and it's not it's not straight, you know, and you're you're having to like blind side and stuff and not hit the crops and not follow the canal and you know, just it's 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 a little different trucking from what most people know trucking as, you know. And and plus two, you're doing this at eighty-four thousand pounds or so, and I mean we'd be rolling, and you'd have had that slosh going in the trailer, and you know, yeah, it's just it's something you got to pay attention about, and and you really learn how to drive that way, you know. Um, of course, we would go places most guys wouldn't go. Wooden bridges didn't scare us. Um, if the weight limit on the bridge was. Three tons, it didn't matter because we have a permit, you know. says so we can do what we want. <laughs> so it's <laughs> just whatever, you know. It was a good time. Um, hauled, uh, hauled a load of crack cocaine. We made by accident one time. That was um, interesting. You know. Go, go um, into
0: go into that. What is it? What does that
1: entail? So when you when you're making a fertilizer, right? Um, we had a cold fertilizer, what we call you know cold fertilizer, and then we had the hot mix building, which involves. Um, Ammonia and phosphoric acid, um, and, and different types of acids, and other chemicals that you would add to bump the you know the fertilizer up. Made a lot of money that way. It also you know was really good for the crops. But yeah, we had a the ammonia valve stuck open one day, and it's it's me. I'm just a the driver. Then we had the the new guy in the building, and then we had the boss man back here trying to help out because the regular guy was on vacation and. It's a hot, there's a hot load for uh, King, King Ranch turf grass, right? And I don't know if most people know this, but King Ranch is not just cattle. It's also turf grass and many other things. And um, so we're making this load, and this ammonia valve sticks open, right? Because this, this building is on its last legs. It's at this point 25 years old. And, like, fertilizer and potash is just corrosive, you know? So everything's rusty, and, and we're in the process of building the new building, and this valve just sticks open. So whatever, we cut it with more acid, acid, ammonia, and then all the other stuff, and we put it in my truck, and I'm like, this don't look right, because you can tell how many gallons are in, you know, and generally it's 4,500 gallons or so. I'm like, this looks like 3,000 gallons, and mixer was empty, I roll across the scale, the weight's all wrong, and whatever, we take it out. It was actually out about where I live now. And um, I go to climb the ladder, right? And I've got my gloves on. And this ladder is like 300 degrees. And it's, you know, that far from the tank, right? So there's a reaction going on. I pop the lid, all the steam comes out. I'm, put, I'm like, whatever, it's six o'clock on a Friday, I'm pumping in the tank. And yeah, whatever. We come back the next morning, go to make the same load For the other location they'd sent me to by accident. And then we see the sample, because you always take a sample and it's like three quarters of just this crystal stuff. I mean, I'm not saying it was meth, but it it very basically was, you know? And we made like 100,000 pounds of this stuff. Yeah, so
0: you could have actually probably sold it for some money.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, we had one of our drivers in Shreveport one time, and he was hauling CN9 product to. Paper mill and what they use that for is a um, it, it, it helps promote uh, microbial growth in the sewage in the tr- in the water and it helps you know eat all the crap and the the water that comes out of the plant did that stuff all the time and he stopped in Shreveport on the way back at Walmart and he had this lady she's like um, you have fertilizer he's like yeah it was like in anhydrous ammonia fertilizer and he goes uh, uh no. He was empty, empty. and it, it was not a address, but he, he knew what he, he wanted to do with it, you <laughs> know. They just, whatever. I, we had um, DEA show up one time asking about that kind of stuff. They posed as farmers, right? They wanted to tour the plant, not something uncommon. And they're in the plant, and my boss says uh, to them, they're in the hot mix building. He goes, Yeah, we can make all kinds of stuff back here. And they, they ask well, like, What do you mean? He goes, We can make crack cocaine. And, Next thing you know, he's on the ground in handcuffs. You know, just he—he's a crazy old guy. You know, but he was good. He was a really good guy. I was glad to work for him as long as I did. You know, um, he just got forced to retire here recently. But um, you know, it, it was a great experience. I'm really glad I had the time there, um, as as a trucking learning experience and as a as a personal learning experience. Because you know, we we did a lot of stuff outside of driving. Um, in the summertime, we'd clean tanks or, or we would put the mixing mill together. We all welded pipe together, you know, Just and just good life. I made a lot of good friends there, you know, a lot of good contacts and, and everything. I was glad to be there. Um, after that, though, man, I went and worked for another buddy of mine or with another buddy of mine in, uh, out of Minnesota. And, man, that was a that was time of my life. Uh, we leave like Monday and we get back. Friday afternoon, and we put in over five thousand miles. Um, about You're doing,
0: hours a week. doing some team driving? No. Oh. Just, just Just balls to the wall. Yeah. So uh, what? What year about is is this?
1: Uh, this is about 2017. Okay. Um, yeah, 2017. I got the job at Simplot in 2014. I got my CDL in 2012. Um, I graduated high school in 2010 to make everybody feel old. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're in 2017. Now we're running. First truck I drove for this guy, beautiful truck that uh, Forsyth put together called Albino. Uh, white Peterbilt uh, is a show truck, magazine cover truck, uh, multiple award winners. And this is a nice truck. And we're driving it. Uh, we're pulling it end up. Uh, stain, uh, aluminum spread axle and dump. Uh, we're hauling scrap metal out of Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, go into uh, Chicago or Detroit or down in Indiana or even we've been to Kentucky. Um, so we did that out and then coming back we put in steel coils like you would haul on flatbed. Um, most of the time we didn't chain them. Sometimes we chained them. We had. Chain pockets, you know, we'd just throw rubber down and run two chains through them. Technically not legal, technically legal, depending on who you ask, right? Um, didn't care. You know, we'd run one or two 48, 50,000 pounders in there, you know, and just go on down the road uh, back up to the cities and then do it again. We'd do two or three runs a week and just constant. I mean, just constant. So we did strive, you know. And you get about four hours of sleep a night, do about 1,200 miles a day. Um, and obviously this is all right, right before E-logs is coming in. And the guy I worked for was an absolute dick. You know, like, it just didn't work out. And so I left that job middle of the year and uh, went, went out to see my buddy in Montana. And ended up getting a job out there for a reefer company out of Great Falls. Decent company, I have no real complaints um but yeah it just kind of wasn't my thing there either um it it was all right like i didn't mind doing the job we did run e-logs um we were still on paper so i you know i did this is a story had a reefer breakdown one time right and it turned out just to be the um rpm sensor which is real common on former kings 25 cent you know connector and all you literally all you can do is just cut the connector, strip the wire, and wrap it around the bolt for the time being. I didn't know this. We spend like six hours trying to get it fixed on a Sunday. 250 bucks for a 25-cent part, three minutes worth of work, right? And it is what it is. Now I'm behind. I got to be in Portland on Tuesday. I didn't sleep that whole time. I just 68-mile-an-hour truck, and off we went. You know, it It sucked. But yeah, we got there. 2546 miles, I believe it was. One shot, nothing but coffee and some, you know, some food. That was it. Um, Did all right. I mean, the job was okay. Um, The guy in charge was a little bit of an asshole. Some customers and stuff, and I don't know. Just, just didn't work out. So I got. um, And this is right, at Christmas and. So I take a job working back in VFW for a guy. I worked for doing demo. Cause um, so I did demo and I did construction, right? Pumped concrete. Um, and I did demo as a foreman, um, and you know, run run equipment, ex, uh, excavators and stuff. And then, uh, while I was working for this guy. We were doing interior demo, and I was a supervisor uh, or a superintendent. Wasn't very good at it, but I was a superintendent nonetheless of interior stuff. And um, anyway, he knew I knew about trucks and he wanted me to come work for him. So I did. It, it was an okay okay gig. Um, we did that and uh, I was running a roll off around VFW. Um, you know, I was a mechanic in a little bit and doing all the whole thing. Um, and I don't know, six months into it, um, another company, Billy Neighbors Demo, who some people might remember from they tore down the wrong house. I don't know if you remember that. It was hilarious. It was an accident, right? And they tore the wrong house down. But anyway, I'm working for them. Now I'm driving a uh, 2001 379 day cab, six and a quarter horse cat, 18 speed. And it's free with the wheelbase. It was like 200 inch wheelbase. It a short little truck four axles, right? Set up for heavy haul, doing all kinds of crazy shit. And we would go downtown DFW Fort Worth, right? You've been there, and or like Austin, and we're doing like house demos, right? And all these like gentrified areas. And we're, this one time, I'm coming down this street, and I've got two Mercedes on either side of me. I got a 250 Volvo on the deck, and we're like this far from each mirror on either side. I'm like, hey, whatever. We take them off, we take them off, off we go, you know? Um, Doing, doing that, man, I I learned a lot about heavy haul. That was my first, first dive into it, and uh, we, we'd be doing around the loop. We'd be doing seventy five eighty 80 mile an hour with a machine on it, like 120,000 pounds because we had places to be and stuff to do, you know, um, We just and we just run job to job. We, I'd get there, unload the machine, the operator hop in and, and run the machine, whatever. I'd go grab the end dump, come back, and then we're hauling. All in trash, you know. Um, and I, I was still occasionally working for my other friend here and there. Um, they were like, this was all like a group of friends, right? Like, Chuck knew neighbors. He used to work for them, and neighbors needed a driver, you know, and Chuck didn't need me as much. So we go back and forth when needed, but um, we're running all kinds of crazy stuff, you know. Uh, this one time, I forget where I was at in Dallas, but we're down there, and I'm coming back to the job, right? I got an operator on the job tearing the house down, I'm coming back to the high side for trash, and there's this guy I pick up just being weird, right, just driving slow, driving slow, and I'm like, dude, I gotta, I, like, what are you doing, just, like, tap my horn, and he, he gets out of the truck, right, older guy, um, he gets out of the truck and he's all, you know, buffed up and ready to fight, and I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing, like, I gotta get through here, and he starts screaming at me, right. So I get out of the truck. and I'm six foot two, right? I'm a big guy. I got I got a lot of weight on me too. I'm just a big guy. I step out of the truck and he's like, "Oh, well, fuck you." And I'm like, "Well, fuck you." And he's like, "I'm getting my gun." And he goes and gets his gun. I'm like, I didn't have my gun that day. I'm like, yeah, never again. Am I going anywhere without my <laughs> fucking pistol? You know? Yeah. I mean, like, he gets out. He's like, and I'm just, I'm, I'm. I think I was reaching for my chain binder or something. I'm like, I'm gonna fight this guy. And he's like. He's all fired up. I'm like, dude, you're just in the way. What are you doing? Anyway, the, the operators like hiding in the machine, little fuck. You know? Little little guy just scared to death of what's going on. I'm like, I'm like call looking at him, like, call the police, you know. And he, police show up and they're like, oh, he's probably stealing packages. It was like right for a place I'm like, all that for, for some freaking packages, you know? Um that was that. Um Let's see, what else happened? Like, I don't know, we did a lot of shit doing demo, man. Um, just dumb stuff, you know? Moving equipment all over the place, or high sides, and um, obviously it was the first time I run in, uh, quite enjoyed it, though. Um, so from there, we moved to, what's his name? Oh, I went to the Northwest, worked for a guy I actually met on Twitter, and, um, we're doing heavy haul. Um, we were, you know, anywhere from legal weight up to actually one time it was like 190 pulling a cone for a rock crusher, 15 wide, 15 tall, and then like 140 long. I, I was at 13 axles, I think. Just I, mean, I only did that the once, but like normally I did, you know, equipment like for cat or excavators. Loaders, I mean, just everything, you know, obviously I can run all that stuff. The only thing I can't actually run besides, you know, load, load trailers or grader. That's the only thing I haven't figured out yet. I'm not a very good grader operator, um, but yeah, I mean, we did all that. Um, we did, you know, equipment. I did, I had, I had my hazmat from working for Simplot. And um, so I also pulled fuel trailer a lot or the gensets. When we did rock crusher moves and the gen sets are two, they, uh, they're two C27 Caterpillar engines on a trailer with a thousand gallons of diesel on the back. And they, you know, they powered the whole thing. Um, I think we were like 110,000 with them, you know, just this big triple axle trailer. And, uh, we moved them all over the place. Like we would start, you know, oversize, you size you want to be roughly a half hour, depending on where you're at before and after sunset, so we would start, mm-hmm. so we could start rolling at sunrise, and we'd move wherever we were going, and then we'd do another move, you know, up until sunset, and then we'd unload or unhook or whatever, and go to the next job for the next morning, so it'd be two o'clock in the morning, we get there, and we got to be up at like three, four o'clock, five o'clock, you know, and just do it again, and we, I did that for... A uh, better part of eight months, and I loved it. I enjoyed it. What um, happened a day to the girl that we're not going to get into that and uh, We ended up back down here once again. I, I always end up back in South Texas somehow, you know, but uh, Working came back to work for a buddy of mine. I met at Simplot um, drove for his dad and we did tanker work and we did hopper work and then when we weren't doing either one of them Um, we were doing, we were painting trucks or fixing trucks or swapping motors, swapping trans, maintenance, stretching trucks, whatever. You know, um, his dad had uh, 15 trucks, I think at one point. And and they're all farm trucks, you know, so they're all not that great. But they run down the road, you know, for harvest and that's all that mattered. But we got into painting them, um, fixing them up a little bit, you know, and then our trucks that we drove Every day, you know, we, we put a motor in one, transmission in another, you know, whatever. Yeah, I was driving a 04, 379, with a 70-inch stand-up, M.B.N. Cat, 18-speed, 355s on big rubber, pulling a, I think it was 8,500-gallon oil-filled tank. Um, quite enjoyed that, too, you know, and we were working for Simplot, so we were busy you know, from September-ish to to May, even into June, sometimes we'd be working for them almost exclusively. And then come, like right now, they're starting harvest this week down here. And, you know, then we just run until we're done. And we do, we would do milo, then we would do corn, and then we would do um, rice, which is the worst, right? Uh, Most people don't know that south texas makes a lot of rice we actually export rice here to asia which i think is just freaking crazy mm. right um and we're hauling it and, and you're out in the rice field you, you know rice paddies are wet because rice thrives in the wet and it's hot it's humid you know as hell and you now you're just sitting out there with the, the flies that are like this big and the mosquitoes that are that big and um you're dodging hogs and, and all kinds of crap and you're dealing with cranky farmers you know that this is this the normal. Um, we did that all summer and then you know in between we're, we're working on trucks or fixing this or fixing that and just constant you know I mean every day I do 20 tires and I, I, I give a shout out to tire guys because no thank you I don't <laughs> know if you've ever done a tire but that oh, crap. With that crowbar. With, with, with the crowbar it's 110 degrees Oh my God, no, thank you. And I like I can't I can't even do I'm probably one now with my back the way it is after that accident. And you know, I mean, I would if I had to. You know what I mean? So, but from there, you know, that worked out for a few years. Um, now we're into late 2020. Uh, I met my current girlfriend, who's freaking awesome. Uh, we moved into this house we're at now, which is actually. The, our landlords is the father-in-law of the guy I was working for, and they're great. Um, and this place is awesome, right? We live out in the country. There's a, there's a cow pasture right here. You know, there's a there's a cotton field over there. Um, and our closest neighbor besides our landlord is like a half mile away. So I can't so,
0: complain. So are you around DFW or you're down in the valley? I, no, I'm not even down in the valley. I'm on the coast. Oh, um, ah, like Victoria area. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: like an hour from there, and I'm an hour and a half from Houston.
0: Um, okay.
1: I'll, I'll message you where I'm at, but I, I think I told you the one time the space is down that one highway, you know, down near the end of that. We're right there. Um, yeah, it's a nice area. I can't complain, except for the heat
0: and humidity.
1: You know, that's the only part that sucks, but we're here. Uh, she works for the state down in town you know, in the other town. Um. As a marine biologist, so we're kind of we're kind of stuck here until that job is no longer her employment. So, which is fine. I don't I don't mind this area, you know, and I can obviously as a truck driver, you can go anywhere in the country, you know, which is awesome. But um, yeah, we're down here, and, and it's not bad, you know. I, I try to stay out of Houston, Austin, San Antonio, DFW
0: because places are crazy, you know. oh uh, the yeah, the cities are really busy. So uh, what ridiculous. what are you doing? What are you doing trucking wise now do you have your own truck who are you uh or are you driving for somebody no i drive for somebody um we know i'm on twitter um but we, we've been
1: friends for a long time and um i came in when his mom got sick and kind of it worked into a job um after after i was working for my buddy here uh i got a job hauling produce um from basically la to houston and back that's all we did you know, a turn a week, no e-logs, just, just get getting after it, you know. And it was all right. It's just those guys were, you know, they, they were from L.A., you know. So, and then when he got, his mom got sick, I said, I'm going to, you know, I'll help you out. And so, and it worked out here. So, I started that in April of 21, I took over the W from him. That he had bought brand new, only had eighty-five thousand miles on it, and um, nice. Yeah, and uh, that uh, was that August. Actually, it was actually July, June. We were looking at trucks, and August, I we left Cali and we went to DFW to rush and picked up the new Peterbilt flat top, twenty twenty two cat or cummins with the full gauge package one of the very last because they're already putting out that digital stuff and this was this was the tail end of that it has a late july build date you know so it's one of the very last this truck's been a pain in the ass like in comparison that truck i put two sensors in uh a dpf pressure differential and the deep uh, the def level gauge that's been it right that's all the major issues we've had with it which neither one of them are a really big deal. Um, his truck, and it's not that we have issues with it, but, like, it's got a cracked flex pipe. It's got air leaks that we can't find. A couple of the chicken lights are our out. You know, it's like, just, it was like it was built up, you know, built on a Friday afternoon, and they just didn't care. You know, the quality of Bill really went downhill, whereas that truck really has a squeak in it at 260,000 miles now and almost four years old.
0: So. yeah I'd say overall and I was actually just having this conversation with somebody I think the w9 is probably the the coolest truck out there I think that they're and they see, they seem to be a lot of people's favorite like I just love the way they look yeah, and yeah. I, feel, I feel like that they're the they're they're basically the the best dogs out there
1: I, I think for like over the road they're pretty cool Yeah, I think they're the best for for anything that you would normally see. Um, now when you get into some of the bush work, a C500s is freaking cool as hell. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite is a T800 high hood, T800H. Looks well, just like a W9, but the hood's like 80,000 feet tall, you know, it's huge. Yeah. Which I just think they're cool. Um, you know, I, I know some guys like
0: Freightliners or Max or all those, I, I'm sorry, you know, I can't, I
1: just can't even like them.
0: You oh know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Nike or freaking you know, Adidas, you know, that's just you, whatever your mind floats towards is how it works and what yeah. gives you gives you a good experience. And, and so, and with that W9, you're, that's your route. You're basically running just produce from LA to Houston. That's kind of what you've been doing.
1: No. Nowadays um, we started with a dry van. He had, he had, he bought new back in 08, 07, I think. And um, when we bought the new truck, now we only have one trailer and two trucks. And that's a problem. So we came across a deal on this reefer I got. And it was right as all the prices were creeping up, you know. And we, we got a pretty decent deal. It was a year old. Um, had like 1400 hours on it. Um, and it was an old Lesser trailer. But it was it was clean. There was not a scratch in it, not a dent, not nothing. It, like, it had barely been used. Or it was used by one guy that cared, you know. And so we, we bought it and brought it home, and I've been running I've been running all kinds of stuff. I still do drive and freight in it, because um, we do have a customer. We do monthly, so we do do that with it once in a while. Um, but, yeah, I try to stay in the produce, you know, because it pays better. And I just kind of enjoy it, you know, especially, like, what I did the other day. Um, you know, I loaded all day. It took me all day to load, and then I just took off, because – even with the e-log you can do that with the ag exempt you know Mm. stuff and 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 it's a real gray area i don't like using because i don't necessarily agree with it but sometimes you have to and it is what it is you know you do 600 miles after loading for 17 hours you know and as long as you're not tired and i you know obviously would be safe about it but um yeah i mean you just you just roll um and, and like i like doing produce anyway Frozen, frozen kind of sucks sometimes because, you know, especially this time of year, the reefers just screaming the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I have mine set so it stays on uh, low idle, you know, unless it absolutely needs to. Um, you know, and that's the other thing, too. That's something else I've really gotten back into now that I have a place is working on stuff. You know, I work on all our stuff here. Change the oil, grease trucks, fix stuff. You know, I have a laptop with, with computer shit on it so I can work on that and um, you know, I got my, my Dodge back here I put a transmission in, bought it for cheap, put a transmission in it, and it's good to go, you know. Um, we got the 40 Ford back here uh, we're working on um, to get it ready to sell or whatever. I don't know what we're exactly going to do with it. Um, it's not mine, but I do get to take care of it for a while, and that's kind of cool, you know. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, I truck, but I also mechanic-wise nowadays, and I'm by no means a mechanic or a decent mechanic by that, but I try to, you know, put forth best effort here. You know, and I, like you've seen, I, I track, I do barbecue, um, and then we, we were working on a camper, doing flooring, you know, carpentry work and, and whatever, you know, whatever it is to get done, you know, we try to do the best because you can't just specialize in, in driving or, or mechanics or whatever, you know, you got to have some life skills, you know, and be able to just do whatever comes at you. There's stuff that I'm not going to do. I'm not going to rebuild a transmission. I've thought about it, but you need... There's some special tools and stuff. But, you know, um, you just... You got to grab life by the horns and, and fucking go at it. Because if you don't, it's going to cost you a lot of money, you know. Because, I, I, as you know, with, like, truck repairs,
0: like, oh, I mean, that shit's expensive. You know? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, it's... A, that's a huge... I mean, that's... I'd say it's one of the biggest uh, deterrents and barriers to entry is really the maintenance costs, especially now. And I think that that's going to be, that's going to change the future of the small business, at least especially in oh, yeah. the short term, because like, you know, even, even contract rates have fallen for small carriers. And I think your situation is really good. Like you're in the, you're, you're in what's called what, and what I'd also like to call like the Goldilocks conditions of where drivers should end up like, Working, you know, you you get it, you know, the normal career path for like a newer trucker would be, you know, get your CDL, do your, you know, time in service with one of these mega carrier scumbags mm-hmm. for a year or two, and then then get to a medium carrier, maybe get into a skill like either pull reefer, do flatbed, heavy haul, tanker, like that, then you find your neat, you you nicheify yourself. And then by the time your third year and beyond is when you want to either, you know, go, go into it yourself. Uh, which which doesn't always need to be the path, but maybe you right. want to start a business or your friend started a business and he's looking for a driver or, yeah, you end up meeting somebody who owns like, who's a small fleet owner or you find, yeah, yeah you find one of those companies that's like, uh you know, a, a good carrier with benefits and offers good pay and actually, you know, doesn't think of you as like a, a number. So you're in a good, you're in a good spot, but that, yeah, that maintenance with the way the yeah. economy is now, it's just... um what carriers are being paid The because the cost the price of maintenance has gone up with inflation and and yep. it, but on the flip side contract rates and spot market rates have fallen so carriers just just the price of everything from the filters to to the oil that goes in the truck to yeah all of these parts that are mysteriously always on back order is becoming more expensive so i mean it, yeah it, the cost of it keeps going up i've gotten to see it i've seen it firsthand just from oh, yeah. Just from seeing the cost of labor, because I got my oil pan replaced not long after I got my truck under warranty, but I still saw saw how much the labor costs. That oh, yeah. labor has gone. That labor rate has gone fucking up since April of 2022, you know, to what well, it is now. So it's, it's like stupid. an
1: oil pan. An oil pan is. I don't know how many bolts offhand, but it's just you know 20 bolts. I mean, it's basically all it is. You know, it's stupid simple mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's how I, I look at things is it's just a bunch of bolts, right? Just one bolt after another. And you, you got to figure it out. You know, like I dreaded doing the uh, pressure sensor, in my girlfriend's pickup. it's LS, you know, in a pickup. So it's a, what do they call it? An LM or something? I don't know. It's an LS and it's in the back of the motor, you know, back where the distributor would be the old pressure center unit used to be. And it's just a pain to get to And I'm like, I had it done in 15 minutes. And it wasn't even hard. And I dreaded it because everyone, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. It's really not, you know. Doing mm-hmm. a transmission is it's it's a pain, but it's not that hard. It's six bolts and a drive shaft. Out it comes, you know.
0: Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's it's just time consuming. Yeah, like cause, and that's oh, why sure. when people like when people with their regular with their four wheelers. Like a lot of my friends in high school and then, you know, even in college, one of the first, you know, because most people I knew drove like used cars growing up. And that that would be why they got rid of their car because their transmission went and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I love that car. And they're like, yeah, but the transmission would have been six thousand. The car is only worth uh, twenty five hundred at this point. And it's just yeah. so. So in theory, it's, it's a sunk cost fallacy, but it costs seven thousand mainly because of the of the, time. Yeah. Yeah, oh, in the, in the labor. Yeah. labor."
1: A lot of the front-wheel drive cars, it's you basically have to unbolt the engine, the front subframe with the engine, transmission, everything, and lift the car off of it to get it apart because you can't pull them apart inside the car. And it's just like you gotta have a lift, and and it's just it, it's stupid, you know, the way they design some of this stuff because it's not replaceable. Um, GM yeah. use the same transmission for decades at this point, and you're, you can't check the oil. Not even a them awesome on it, on them anymore, and they're just run right until they pop. They're sealed, and once they're done, they're done. And it's like, why, you know?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I don't hate it. it. I, I I hate it with the newer vehicles. I just had a, we were talking in a group chat uh, recently with guys from my unit, and they were talking about either staying with the Tundra or getting a certain new new truck. And I told them, I said, dude, buy a 1994 truck you can find on facebook or something because yeah the, like all of this newer stuff number one it's it's all being developed so if you know if the wrong person becomes uh president or something they can turn your car off whenever they want like the the yep. you know the, yep. the the manufacturers are going to be able to just shut them off and yeah you can't you can't work on them yourself you can't fix them yourself yeah it's, subscribe it, to your turn signals yeah, okay. and they're and they're doing this in trucking now. You, I'm glad you brought up the newer Peterbilt's because I'd say that they're the biggest offenders of the of the newer trucks sucking. It's the ones I've heard about the most, and that's what they've done with these trucks. It's another way because and Gord talked about it on his show, his episode mm-hmm. of, of Virtue with a Wrench, I believe it was called, and what what it is that what Peterbilt's actually doing. They're not answering the demands of the consumer. They're answering the demands of, of shareholders at this point. So they're not going off supply and demand. They're going off shareholder demand. And in return, it's killing small business because even say say, say six years, say 10 years from now, and that 2022 is 10 years old. Because normally when people got into trucking, like say the year was 2012 and I wanted to start and I wanted to become an owner operator. In 2012, I could have bought a 2005 a uh, pre-DPF mm-hmm. truck easily, something I can work yeah. on myself now. Yeah. So if somebody is 25 years old in 2033 and they want to buy a 10-year-old truck, it's still this fucking computerized piece of shit that you that they don't know how to work on because you need to go to Peterbilt special school to do it. So it's yeah. just it's gonna continue to deter people to start their own businesses.
1: Well, and then you've got like Cummins. They they're not like lo- they're not like John Deere, but Cummins has Insight and Calterm, and you know it's it's prohibitively expensive to buy their product. You know, Insight's like sixteen hundred bucks a year. Now, there there are people out there that pirate it, and then you've got like um, um, JPro that does basically all the same stuff you need to, but there's still stuff you can't get without having CalTurm which there are people that pirate that too. I'm not endorsing that, but I'm just saying it's out there, you know. I'm not saying I have it either. I'm just, you know, you but you gotta buy you gotta have the laptop and that's, you know, five hundred bucks. You're gonna have the plug in which is another seven, eight hundred bucks. And you gotta have software. You know, and that's just that's just a plugin to see what's going going on. Let alone just try and fix anything, you know, or update or whatever, you know, it's, it's just it's prohibitively expensive. Where you can have like that pickup, yeah, it's it's computer, it's got a computer in it, but I mean, you plug it into a regular code scanner and, and you know what's going on if you need to, you know, and you can fix it off of that. You don't need anything that's thousands and thousands of dollars to work on it, you know, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, that thing doesn't even have power windows, you know, it's crank windows, manual transmission, just old school, you know, and what more do you need, you know, mm-hmm. well, you don't, you don't need heated seats, I like heated seats, okay, I do, you don't need them, don't need power windows, you don't need, you don't need, you know, all the fancy radio stuff, I like Bluetooth, that's all I need, you know, that's, that's all you need is Bluetooth connection, a good radio and manual transmission and some crank windows, what more? Yeah, and AC. Obviously, AC. But other than that, I mean, what else? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, just on that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When it or for yeah. the, that, we should. I, I should actually make that. I might have to make a Maslow's hierarchy of needs for for a, <laughs> for a vehicle or or a truck and and see. Yeah. yeah. Whatever fits the physiological. Whatever's on that bottom pyramid is really all you need for a vehicle.
1: The There's a guy where we park in Pennsylvania. He he buys and sells trucks. That's what he does. He's got a, I think it's a 79 W900A with a 3408 in it, and it does have a modern 18-speed. It has air conditioning and a real nice Aerodyne 1, and I know what he wants for it. It's really not that bad considering I think there were only a few hundred of those trucks made, maybe 1,000, maybe 2,000 of them made from the factory with that engine in it, and like, it's all mechanical, right? The only, the only thing that sucks about that thing is it's $50,000 to rebuild it back to stock. You know, that's the only downside to that engine. Um, really, you know, they got brake savers in them. They don't have jakes, but the brake savers are better anyway. Um, and they're just, they're simple, right? You can, you can replace, um, bearings on the side of the road, you know, back when they used to do that kind of stuff And, and nowadays. Um, you know, your TA Petro charges $18 to install wiper blades per blade. So 36 bucks to put new wiper blades on. And I asked them one time, like, what, why? why? Why do you even offer that? And they said, because the big companies think it's cheaper to pay that than to have a driver fall and get injured and they have to do all the work with comp. And I get that. But, like, if you can't change your wiper blades or at least your oil, what are you, what are you doing?
0: You know, like, just even in
1: general life, you need to be able to do that.
0: They're flat, you know. Really, really glad you brought that up, and that—that's because that's something I've never even thought of. That—that that definitely needs to be said on this show because we 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 lambast and we and we rail against, um, you know, the the CDL milling industrial complex. That's become an actual thing with these mega carriers. Is any problem with the truck? Yep. They don't want mm-hmm. the driver. They don't want the drivers doing anything. They don't want the drivers yep. touching it. If it, yep. yeah, down to the windshield washer blades now. Yeah, and, and it's and that and that's true. And Gord was talking about this on that same show. How Peter Bill was trying to roll out, like how when you stop the truck, the the brakes would apply, and it's essentially okay. teaching yeah. drivers not to apply their own brakes. And it's like, well, and that's, it, that's that's, 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 the, that's the road this goes down.
1: I I don't I don't have any problems with technology, right? Like I I I like technology. I like having a smart TV, or I've got um, this truck's got an Apple CarPlay radio in it, which was in it. Not a huge fan. It's okay, but like it's got all that stuff. But the thing is, when you don't do this stuff every day, you forget, right? Like automatic turn signals or even automatic headlights, right? And I, I fell victim to this. I used to have an Outlander. Um, I bought after I had a 2019 or a 2017 Mustang GT with six-speed manual, and I just I needed a four-wheel drive. I couldn't find a Suburban at pr- at a decent price, so I ended up with an Outlander. Pretty decent car. But didn't have automatic headlights, which my Duramax did, and both my Mustangs did. But it's got those LED bars on the front, and I'm sure you've seen this. Those lights, those LED lights are just as bright as your regular headlights, and then the dash lights are on all the time. So you're driving down the road at twilight or whatever, and you don't realize your headlights aren't on. And so you got no taillights or anything, right? Because you forget to turn them on. It took me a little while to get back into doing that you know, and, and it's just, you see it all the time, and you know, I'm not a for government regulation, but if we're going to regulate some automatic headlights, right, like, just, I, I'm all for it, you know?
0: Yeah, but, that that actually be a good, there's an argument for that.
1: Yeah, but, like, that's the thing, when you don't do it all the time, right, you forget, and you don't know how to, you forget how to do things, and having, having the ability to um, to do the basics, you know, like how to adjust points and, and set timing or adjust a carburetor, you know, like just basic stuff. I, I don't know cars have carburetors anymore. Most people don't even know what they are. But, you know, just having that basic knowledge of, of mechanicals or, or like too, like how to pull a toilet out and fix a, rock, a wax ring or, you know, how to fix a leaky sink or change a faucet or, or just basic stuff, you know, how to change a door handle, like... Nobody knows how to do anything anymore. Everybody's yeah. going to hire somebody, and that's just, the you know, like a downfall of society. And it, it, it's not just in trucking. It's in every industry, you know. Um, I saw on, on Facebook one time a while ago, they have these new um, wire tie guns for doing rebar. Like, when I was doing concrete, I had to help out the crew sometimes. And you tie rebar, you got, got a wheel, like a big wheel of wire and a pair of dikes. And, and you, you tie it up, you know, you're bent over all day, tie and wire and you get, you know, good at it. Now they got this gun, you just put it on click, put it on click. It's like, you need to know how to do this, you know, like just, just basic stuff.
0: Going through the steps. That, it's going through the steps and learning,
1: you know, it's, it's yeah, math. That,
0: that, that practical application is, is important. I remember having these conversations with plumbers actually, because, you know, they have pro press guns now. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and so they don't have to solder as much. And they were always saying, and they would have this same kind of conversation where they didn't want the younger guys coming up to not know how to be a plumber without having to, you know, without knowing how to soldering. And I, and where and I, and I think that there may, and whatever plumbing associations are out there maybe should come out with that where, Hey, if you want your license, you should know how to solder because in the same way, I think so, like you said about technology and I, you may disagree with this and I've said this before, but, like, I'm not saying we shouldn't have automatic semi trucks, but right. I don't think because, hey, I've talked to a lot of old school guys who they're like, man, that shit's saving my fucking knees. Like, I, I, you know, I, I loved it. You know, I loved my 18 speed, but man, you know, my, my, my knees hurt less. But I don't think that they should be giving out CDLs with automatic restrictions at all. No, I, I you shouldn't have to learn. That, that, and that itself tells you that they are trying to push a churn and burn. That They already want to take. Like what was what was uh, the standard in the industry essentially up in, I don't even know when automatic restrictions started. I'd have to look. Uh, but it must uh, it, 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 it uh, must be within just the last 10 years.
1: I want to say like 2015, 2016, because um, I know when I there was talk of it when I upgraded my class A, because I just I went to a school to rent the truck, you know, and they gave me the test or whatever just to get my air brakes. And there was talk about it, right, because it's easier to do it automatic. And I I don't have one. I, I never had to do the test with one. I can obviously drive one, you know. I, I drive a pickup with a six-speed. I drive an 18-speed, you know. It doesn't phase me any. I, I've driven whatever transmission is out there. I probably have driven it. Um, at some point, you know, even like five, uh, 15 speeds or five by fours or, you know, just weird shit that you don't see anymore. But yeah, I think you should have to prove that you have gotten, you know, you have at least a grasp of how to drive a manual yeah. because you, you may come into a situation where like one of these, one of these bigger
0: carriers, you get stuck in the old truck and. Can't drive it because it's got a manual in it, you know. Uh, and then it's uh, but it's knowing that, it, and I just looked it up, it, it was 2015 is when they started allowing that. And what what I learned at least from learning on you know a 10 speed manual is is your is the is the um, you know, using the engine and the Jake brake mm-hmm. and know, knowing when to start slowing down for an exit, knowing when to start slowing down for a stop sign or yeah. a, or a stop light, knowing if you get knowing the point of no return when the light turns yellow because that's the thing now look at where we are the automatic restriction we're at the point where to where the fmcsa wants speed limiters When really the yeah. issue is speed it's tailgating and when you have mm-hmm. this and when you have this talent issue where we're bringing in you know importing drivers and Uh, the CDL milling industrial complex, and we have automatic restrictions, these guys are going to follow close because they don't realize because they haven't been trained to know that starting – and to know the science and the physics behind it.
1: I think some of it, too, is a lot of these guys that are newer within the last three to four years, they've only driven trucks with disc brakes and trailers with disc brakes. They don't know what drum brakes, how they react, or what happens when they fade. They don't, yeah, they they learn it in school. And and was it last year? They started the new requirement to have, I I forget how many hours, but you gotta have so much class time now before you can actually get your CDL. My buddy went through that last year, like right after it started. And, you know, he's a good guy, and I think, you know, he's done well with it. I think that's a good requirement. You know, I don't like government regulation at all, but when you're dealing with this kind of stuff, And the the crap we're dealing with right now, you need it. You need some of that. And I don't think it's quite far enough, you know. Like, you need better training, and you need more training. And you can't have, like, Swift or England in particular. They're putting three guys in a truck, you know. And it's like, you can't do that. And the trainer's got six months' experience, you know. To be a trainer, you should have at least 10 years and at least a million miles behind you, you know. Because if you don't have at least that many miles, and I'm not saying, like, there are guys out there that are really good that have, you know, four years under their belt or two years under their belt, but they haven't seen everything, they haven't done everything, you know, and you need that experience to train somebody. You need to know what you're doing before you can teach somebody, you know. Um, And that that goes for everything in life, too. Like, you can't be, you shouldn't be a math teacher if you suck at math, you know, because I had some of those in high school, and they suck, you know. It's just everything. Like you, you need to have the experience in that field to teach other people. Otherwise you end up where we're at and they all suck, you
0: know. They're all terrible. Huh. That. Well said, uh, man. That, that that's a that that's a good that's that's very that's very well put and people need to that you know, what we're talking about is a is the narrative that needs to be spun into the mainstream. Yeah. Well and you know the other thing about automatics, um just
1: just sit in the truck stop parking lot for an hour. And watch how many trucks come in at 25, 30, 40 miles an hour. You know, I almost got run over once or twice. I've seen kids run out, you know. Like, it happens. And you're not paying attention. I almost ran over a dog one time because this lady didn't, didn't have a leash on her. And comes running out. I'm like, I was doing like 10 miles an hour, which for me is fast. I I, I try to stick to five to seven, you know. First, second gear, kind of idling. And that's where you should be. Because you don't know what's coming around the corner, you don't know what's coming out from between those trucks, or you know. And there's just no need for it. But you put yourself in an automatic, and I drove one for a week, and I can see where it happens. And it's just like you're you're flying, you know. You're doing 30, 40 mile an hour in a parking lot, not realizing it, you know. Same with school zones or anything else. You don't realize how fast you're going, and you got the automatics, and you've got the sound deadening, and how quiet these new motors are. They're so quiet, you don't realize they're running, you know, and all that noise, all that, all that vibration and everything that goes on in an older truck, you realize, hey, I'm doing 50 mile an hour, you know, or I'm doing 70 mile an hour, where I can, that truck, I can cruise at 100, literally at 100 miles an hour, it's like I'm floating down Highway 65, you know, you don't notice, and it's a problem, you know, it's nice, don't get me wrong, I like, being able to hear. I like being able to sleep at night without, you know, the drone or that cat running all night, you know. also kind of miss that. But it is nice. It's quiet. I'll give yeah. it that. Yeah.
0: No, I'll give it that. Especially, yeah, especially if that reefer's hissing on you. That's always It always thinks there's nothing worse than when two reefers are parked next to you in a, in a truck See, stop.
1: I don't, it doesn't bother me. Now, of course, I pull a reefer, but it does bother me when it's like a thermal cane or it's over there screaming you know, because it's just, it's trying to cool. Like, I have my reefer set to, to low idle only, unless it defrost, or, you know, after, like, four hours, it'll it'll bump up, but that's only if it's been running that long, and normally, if, unless I'm on a produce load, and if I'm on a produce load, it's not going to do that, you know? It'll defrost at, at high speed, but otherwise it's slow, and it's quiet enough. So, let's see if I got the fifth wheel back, I'm to be, like, poke my head out the window to see if it's still running, you know? But most of them aren't like that for some reason. That sucks because, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, people get mad. I've had guys pull away, you know, park, and then they realize there's a reefer. It's not even running. Nine times out of ten, it's not running. When they do that, I'm like, I'm oh, a dry loader. I'm empty or something, you know. They get yeah. mad. You know, it, I'm like, to, oh, whatever, buddy.
0: To me, it's definitely more of a white noise at this point. I've gotten used to it. Yeah. It's, it'll put me to sleep. And, uh, but that's, but I have noticed like a lot of reefer guys, that's why some of them that will pull into parking spots. They'll pull in as like a courtesy because they like, because they know everybody else. Like, so their reefer is at the, like at the bottom. Yeah. And so like, yeah. they'll do it as a courtesy, which is it's like, it's like respect. All right.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, now you're going to back out, which is sucks. Way more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't ever, I almost never pull it. I, I have, and it does happen. You know, because there was a time and a place, but yeah, I, I also look at those guys being like, "You're an idiot for pulling in," you know.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a huge fan of people pulling in. I think pulling in is the lazy way out of parking as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I but, mean, I, I, welcome to 2023 in trucking. You know, it's it's gotten weird. It's it gotten it
0: weird. has, it has gotten weird. But man, you, you you know you you tell a fantastic story. You've you've touched about you know from the from start to where you're at now you've essentially gone uh, around the entire circle of trucking you, you you number one managed to you're uh stay away from like mega carriers you, oh, yeah, you, you, never you yeah you came up you came up a, sim- a kind of an old school way you learned via the construction industry mm-hmm. you know uh, which is which is so you had people who knew about these trucks teach you similar to other guests i've had on in the past who you know they grew up on farms and then that's how they learned and you've and you've touched so many different sectors that I think people I think people forget about. A lot of people just think about like dry van and reefer. You've been right. in construction, and then you've been in demo, which is also yeah. really cool. Because I am not gonna lie, I would love to do that.
1: Oh, and then you've,
0: fun! Yeah, and then you've gone up and you've done this heavy haul, moving big mining equipment. You've and you've moved some dry van trails, You've moved reefer, and you've been in the oil field. So I mean, that's that's just about every corner. Of yeah. where you can go trucking wise like you can't there's not much more you can do besides I don't, windmill blades something like something I, even even no, crazier
1: no offense to windmill blade drivers but most of them are kind of crappy because they you know all they do is hook up to the trailer right Straight. and and yeah take it take it to wherever they're going and that's it and we used to make fun we used to make fun all the time because we we did crane moves for windmills and, you know, yeah, they show up with the window blade and then they leave. It's like you didn't load anything. You didn't unload anything. All you did was drive. Is oh, it man. long? Yeah, it's long. It's, it's an oversized load. But come on. You know, they're not that heavy. And, and whatever. Yeah. It's like yeah, if I, you can't load your equipment, unload your equipment, run the equipment, what are you even doing? You know? Yeah, what
0: are you doing? Okay, so, my, yeah, my respect has gone down a bit. So, I guess all you have left is essentially just is bull hauling. That's it. Yeah, I haven't done
1: that. I want to do that just to say I've done it, you know.
0: Yeah, that's um, the, get that. I know that I've had there's an itch I always have that I want to do it. And I know a guy we talk on Instagram, he lives in Georgetown and he does it. And he's, you know, and he makes it look real cool. And there's yeah. a couple guys on TikTok who make it look cool. But I, like I said, I'm trying to put myself in a position to transition off from being over the road so i can like start right. a family and i know bull yeah. hauling is like you've yeah. got to basically you got to swear an allegiance right. to the road when you when you do that
1: when i was doing a reefer out of montana i worked with this guy he was i think at the time he was like 81 years old and he was doing this just to stay out of the bar you know and like he actually taught the guy that started that company how to drive a truck right and he was a cattleman. he was a multi-billionaire. But he's just doing it for something to do because he'd run the run the help off the farm, off the ranch, because he'd work so much. I couldn't keep up with the guy. He'd leave at four o'clock in the morning. We'd run till 11 and have an hour lunch. And then we'd run till 10 o'clock at night every day. And he's just running, running, running. I'm like, hey, how do you, I'm like, dude, did you not sleep? Like, what is this, you know? And like, I run hard, you know? I used to run really hard back then. I'm like, I'm struggling. He's 81 years old, and that's just that's that bull hauler mentality. That's that rancher mentality that you don't see anymore. You know, yeah. And, no. and I miss that. Like that's what everybody should be doing. That's and, and yeah, you know what? Like uh, there's guys out there that that yeah that that mentality that lifestyle. And I'll call it a lifestyle. It sucks, right? Because you're not home. You're not you're not enjoying your time with your family, your friends, and. But it's what you know, it's what you do, and it's all you know, you know. Like like my uncle, he's been doing construction for almost 50, 50 years now. You know, he started doing construction at 14. He's 30 years older today than me. And, yeah, I mean, it's all he does. Even Even now as a general contractor for a big company, all his job to do is to sit in the office, right, and do the paperwork and handle the meetings and stuff. You will find him out there swinging a freaking hammer. He fell off the ladder a few years ago, broke his elbow, and then his boss was like, John, like, what are you doing? He said, I will put an elevator in, but you don't need to be on the job site. Like, you don't need to be out there anymore. He said, you earned it. You, you sit in the office now, and you do your job. You don't need to be out here doing theirs, you know. But no. that's that mentality, you know. And, and it'll be like that until the day he dies, you know. That's just the way those guys are.
0: I'm a, I'm a, and what's, what's awesome about that mentality is why, and I talked about this with Rachel Premack when she came on the show is pre deregulation. That's why the industry was in yes. some, in some ways better talent wise, uh, uh, so to speak. I'm yes. not saying that you and I s- suck because we talk about the, you know, this is what we talked about on Twitter with the new drivers and the new generation coming in, but pre deregulation, you had the union guys who took pride in the job because it mm-hmm. was a union job. They looked nice. They were presentable. They kind, you know, the, the training. It was hard to get in. The barrier to entry was hard, like to get yeah. your CDL and getting a training was hard. And then on the flip side, the non-union guys were the agriculture, the bull haulers. They they were the yeah. outlaws. Scam. So they so they were and and they lived by a different code. And their code oh, was, yeah. well, we're not the union guys. We're we're gonna try to. We want to be better than them. So they held themselves to a code and they said, I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna run harder. And so, so the entire industry was better because of that competition. And then after deregulation has been this road and spiral to the bottom where that mentality, like your uncle and, you know, that, that 81 year old uh, guy trucking. And I met a guy who was a 91 year old flatbedder. Him and I were Mm -hmm. chaining down a John Deere next to each other. Those mentalities (laughs) are dying off. And then even, and then, and then on top of it, not only are those mentalities dying off, but you know, there is nothing else like even the the even the union jobs there are anymore. That it's not the same mentality as it was pre nineteen eighty. So it's just you know it's kind of it's kind of sad to to think and talk about. But
1: well,
0: what, yeah, what, the what unions can we do? have their
1: place. But like nowadays, uh, they're, they're really good. So like the unions have, still have their place, but especially in trucking it doesn't it doesn't work in, in the current model we're in and in the current situation we're in it's not going to work you know Do, maybe we need that again I don't know I'm not an expert
0: I, I, just, I just drive a truck
1: and fix shit. You know, that's yeah. all I know there
0: there's well. definitely a, a there's definitely a conversation to be had I, I don't think like I said we can't just go back to, to 1980 yeah. like there, you know once you've opened up Pandora's box but there there does need to be a conversation. Um, These like the thing is, in any other industry, these mega carriers like Werner, Schneider, you know, any of these companies, if any of these companies treated workers in any other industry as such. And the training was this poor, especially just down to the safety, because a lot of the reasons why places unionize has to do has to do with workplace safety. So if Mm -hmm. any of this is happening, if this was happening in any other industry, um like any of the workers would have definitely been demanding to unionize but the reason why they don't is because the talent they bring in is immigrants people new people to the country and they give them this piss poor training and it's and that's why it's the churn and burn and that churn and burn and that you know and that in keeping it so mixed up prevents it from happening but like i said i don't know if the answer is yeah is to just go back to what it was but you know it's just to keep having the conversation about it just people knowing like hey we need to make things better because I don't think it's going to be sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, they're going to force these robots onto us, and then we're going to have right. robots killing kids. So. Well,
1: was it today? The FMCSA released a uh, released what they want to do about uh, emergency braking, requiring that now. And it's like, do I think it's a cool idea? Sorta of. like I, safety wise, yeah, but. You know, it doesn't, I don't care, you could, you could tell me the sky is blue, but if the government is going to tell me the sky is blue, you must believe this. No, you know, get away oh, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, anything the government tells me, I don't want to do, you know what I mean? So, I'm, that's, I'm re- that's me. But, I'm reading know.
0: this now. Oh, I'm with you. I'm reading, this. yeah, FMCA FMCSA yeah. pushes out rule proposal to require automatic emergency. And yeah, I've talked about this a lot. I brought it up on one of my most recent TikToks. There's automatic braking in my truck and my truck has slammed on the brakes yeah. uh, because of the shadow of a bridge. And I've like mm-hmm. dumped, dumped my spitter cup of sunflower seeds all over my thing. Like what? <laughs> like I yeah. said, I, yeah, I'm not anti-technology either. But this stuff, like I said, it, you know, the yeah, conversations yeah. need to be had.
1: Well, and two, like, I mean, you can apply this to guns or, or, or any any argument is the government doesn't need to, it, 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 they aren't there to protect you from yourself, right? And you are responsible for you, you're responsible for your family, your, your, you know, whatever, and everybody else is responsible for them, so... You gotta do what you gotta do to take care of yourself and your family, and that's all that matters. Nobody else is out there to protect you, especially the government. The government's not there to help you. You know, they may say they are, but it doesn't. It never works out that way. The
0: the only the only people they're helping because that's the thing they'll say that they're coming to help you, and they want to help, and they do it under this guise of safety. But all they're doing is just helping the helping line their pockets and their fucking shareholders' pockets.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's like they uh,
0: donors, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like the NRA, the HTA, You know, they they create problems. They you know manufacture problems so they have something to fix so they can get more money to line their pockets the politicians' pockets. You know, like where where do you go really get into politics and and you know be you know average guy making you know fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year, and then you go make one hundred seventy nine thousand dollars a year in the Senate or the House of Representatives. And now how are you worth three three million dollars two years later? You know, like how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like that's it's, just that's ridiculous.
0: Dude, I, uh, I rack my I rack my brain about that every day and I, I don't know what keeps me from that's dude, that's why I run marathons because I have to I have to put my body through such such physical torture to get my mind right? off of exactly what you just said.
1: <laughs> well, I mean that's just that's I, if dude, if I could just stay here on our little little piece and just not leave. I can work four hours a week, make $100,000 a year, and never have to leave the house, you're damn right I'd do it. Here we are out here working, working every day, driving thousands of miles a week, you know, dealing with, with all this shit. Quite literally sometimes shit in the parking lot.
0: Yeah, quite a- a- actual literal shit.
1: Yeah, and, and we're out here doing our thing, you know, struggling, but whatever, you know, we're, we're having fun, I
0: guess. Yeah, you know. no, we're we're having fun along the way. We're talking about it, and I like I said, I'm I'm optimistic. I think we're doing good things, and uh, but hey, man, I want I want to thank you a lot for coming on. Uh, personally, I I just before we sign off, I mean, at any time, can't you just go and fly planes or something?
1: I uh, I don't have my pilot's license. I never uh. quite finished it, and even if I had, it's been so long since I've flown that you know I might be out of currencies. My medicals were up years ago, and. I need, to, I need to go finish it, which means I need to start over at this point. It's been more than 10 years, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I would love to. And maybe that's my exit from the trucking industry. If I could finish my licenses and then get a job crop dusting, you know, just go be an aerobatic pilot because, I don't know, I have a death wish. You know, like I said, I wanted to fly F-15s and fighter jets. And, I don't know, the next best thing, 2,000 horsepower freaking, you know, uh crop duster jet tur- uh what are they turbo prop you know jet engine powered prop plane i mean well more more, more do you need you know yes yeah, so okay. I,
0: I think that that's another industry you should look at hey i i know uh i have a good friend who's a flight instructor right now maybe we'll. i'll yeah. have to put you guys in touch because that's that's another job too because i'll tell you in, in when i what he tells me he's a flight instructor a lot of these planes some of them are older and uh, yeah. you know they need guys to work on them, so that's an, that could be another tr- tr- yep. trick of the trade. You you start picking up is is, is planes, dude.
1: Well, and that a- the A.P. license, man, I got a the school I went to started that program. I had a friend that went through it, and he was working for Gulfstream in um, Georgia. And they all he did was rebuild engines and stuff. And I mean, he was making over hundred grand a year right out of college, you know, and it, it's a good job, but. And like with crop dusting, there's not enough guys willing to do it anymore. Um, you want to talk about a truck driver shortage? You know, a shortage of shortages. But there, there really is a problem with with um, crop dusting, and even regular pilots now is becoming an issue because of regulations and all the other crap they got to deal with. And the average age of pilots just creeping, creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. And and you got to retire, you know. At, at I don't think it's sixty four. Yeah, they, uh,
0: they force you, know, you to.
1: Yeah, if you were like ATC, you have to be, I think it's 31 or it's a 33. You you have to start before that, and then you have to retire at 52 or 54 because it is so stressful. They they want you out, you know. It, it pays really good, but it's super stressful. You think our job's stressful. You can imagine that, you know.
0: Yeah. But, no, yeah I, I would it, love to do that. Hey, man, it's well, it's out there. We can. The, the conversation's already started. Yeah. You know, see, it's funny how, at least on the FAA side, because of added stress to, to a job, you know, they force you to retire and the pay is really good. And uh-huh. no matter what anybody tells you, trucking is still become is, is, is a stressful job. You have a lot to worry about for, oh, yeah. for over the course of 600 miles and then finding a place to park. You know that that's a lot of added stress. I mean, there's a reason why most people don't do it. If it if it wasn't stressful, everyone would do it. And oh, so yeah. it's just like and you, so you'd think that the that the FMCSA would would require the same things like, hey, pay better. Hey, you you can't drive past fucking <laughs> you can't be 91 and flat or something. Although right. you'd have to, you'd have to pry their hands off the steering wheel for for something like that, <laughs> but. You know, you'd think it was, but who knows? Maybe we'll we'll get there. But, dude, I I can't thank I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Before you sign off, where where can the people find you? Are you just on Twitter? I'm just on Twitter nowadays. Um, that's that's um
1: I I don't even know what my Twitter handle is because I've had so many because I have been on on you know Uh unemployable with Twitter, I guess (laughs) unfavorable, but uh, I think it's W.
0: At, yep, I'm pulling it up right now. At yeah, W, yep. At W Goose 900L. So that's me. Do, yep, W Goose 900L. Guys, make sure you go oh. out there and follow him.
1: Well, don't follow me if you're going to get some panties
0: in a bunch because I do that all the
1: time. You know, if if you haven't noticed.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you get butthurt easily, if you're offended don't, don't. by yeah, or if you're offended by people's general overall opinions, just. Yeah, just, to, to, just don't follow. But if you like to smile and laugh and engage with uh, funny yep. people on Twitter and yep. talk freight, then fucking hit them up. Hit both of us up because that's what okay. we do. Yes, sir. But, that's hey, nice man. Family, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Good luck with that brisket back there. That's going to oh, do yeah. it, guys, for Episode 79. Appreciate you listening. And with that, I will catch you on the next one. Take care.